0: If you're suffering from a serious health challenge or just want to protect your good health, I want to tell you about Metatrol fermented wheat germ extract from American Biosciences. Imagine every cell in your body working at Peak performance achieving enhanced energy quality of life and optimal immune system performance more than 50 research articles in peer-reviewed medical journals describe fermented wheat germ extracts remarkable health benefits and a wide range of serious health challenges metatrol is the most potent fermented wheat germ extract ever produced and it's the only one that's gluten-free Just two Metatrol capsules daily supports your immune system, cellular health, and energy production. Rescue your mitochondrial function and optimize your energy with Metatrol fermented wheat germ extract. For more information and to order, go to TheHarmonyCompany.com. That's TheHarmonyCompany.com or call 800-422-5518. 800-422-5518, Eight hundred four two two fifty five eighteen. 5518 use coupon code HOFFMAN20 at checkout and get a 20% first-time discount and free shipping. That's theharmonycompany.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly QA with Layla, wherein we answer questions. My favorite time of the week because we get great questions, and it's always a pleasure to discuss various medical topics and nutritional topics with our uh, co host, Layla Mutin. That's why we call it QA with Layla, because it is with Layla. <laughs> Actually, you know, we, and just to remind people, we do individual podcasts. Yes. And uh, But Layla has her own uh, podcast. But uh, yes. the Twain shall meet once a week on Q&A with Layla.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, all right. So the way to get questions to us, questions at drhoffman.net.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we have a bunch of questions. We want to go to our mailbox in just a moment. But you wrote a very interesting article this week about the relationship between nutrition and... In atrial fibrillation and I us just say up front that uh, when it comes to atrial fibrillation we get a ton of questions about atrial fibrillation yeah. because it the statistic is that 20% of people will uh, eventually get atrial fibrillation yeah and so if you live long you have a high likelihood of developing atrial fibrillation right.
1: we never used to hear about aphid 20-25 years ago
0: well I guess part of that is, it is that it wasn't as prevalent okay part of that is that it may not have been as recognized yeah
1: yeah
0: and part of that is that people live longer
1: yeah
0: and part of that also is that some of the people who would have gotten atrial fibrillation uh may have died of their heart disease before they got atrial fibrillation in other words they're less good treatments for heart disease yeah, yeah. uh so you know you'd That's get a heart true. attack and you might die now people get heart attacks, but subsequently, or they get whatever vessel disease, and they get atrial fibrillation. But you can have atrial fibrillation without vessel disease. It's just an, it's more of an electrical problem. Yeah. And it's, it certainly can be related to heart attacks and what's called ischemic disease, atherosclerosis. But you don't have to have it's atherosclerosis true. to get it. Yeah. It's an electrical problem. So the electrical system of the heart, it ages, it's damaged, it's you know gets messed up, and then. Uh, the electrical impulses that trigger heartbeats become aberrant, and you get uh, irregular heart rates. So, uh, you know, and i got to say, before I ask you what... You know, you you wrote a nice article in our newsletter this week. By the way, check out our newsletter at drhoffman.com. If you haven't yet subscribed, subscribe to it, because it's got lots of useful information that can come into your inbox every week. Uh, You wrote a nice article for our newsletter this week. And uh, what I have to say is that... uh, I have been a little skeptical about the impact of diet and nutrition on atrial fibrillation mm-hmm. because I, clearly there's a major impact of diet on heart attacks, yes. on s- circulatory things. But, you know, you, you get like as you age, you know, you're like in a car, your electrical systems break down. You know, it's like how many, need a how, battery. How many millions of, of beats does the heart have to undergo? Sure. And so, you know, you might have, with or without a good diet, you might have, uh, a you know, some glitches in the electrical conductivity of your heart. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I did recognize that, for example, magnesium may help to support heart rhythm. Uh, there were some good studies on that and fish oil. and well see fish oil there's a little counter on that because there mm-hmm. are some studies that suggest that interestingly fish oil supplementation may somewhat increase the risk of atrial fibrillation i got to say it because there there are studies out there that now say that wow uh but uh you know i generally think that fish oil is helpful for arrhythmias but it seems to be more helpful for ventricular arrhythmias ah. than atrial of course the, the ones that kill you are ventricular yeah. like uh, VTAC? Yeah, that causes sudden death. You know, the people who just like hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, and before they reach the ground, they're dead because yeah. of a cardiac arrhythmia. Like, like, um, what was the football player? You know, uh, yes. What
1: was his name?
0: Yeah, it, it's the, the news. Right. That, the name escapes me now, but uh, the guy he had a, a, a VTAC, attack. and yes. that was like sudden death on the athletic field. Uh-huh. He had to be cardioverted. And so uh, there is some suggestion that the higher your intake of fish oil, the less likely that is That's to happen. So yeah, fish oil for what for the maybe the lower chambers of the heart, maybe yeah. not so much for the upper chambers. Um, okay. Interesting. So then uh, there was the issue of um, the anticoagulation, which was you know thin the blood because we use drugs to thin the blood, mm-hmm. and maybe there's some benefit to using supplements. Uh, there was a concern about vitamin K because vitamin K c- could interfere with the coumadin that was used to be used for most atrial fibrillation. Yes. Now they have Pradaxa and they have eliquis. Uh, eliquis, which are medications that are not affected by vitamin K. So that's not much of a nutritional yeah. thing. And then yeah. you know doctors tell patients don't take fish oil when you have uh, atrial fibrillation. Uh, Because it's going to thin the blood too much studies don't show that studies actually show that fish oil is very compatible with the current blood thinners Okay, so and high dose vitamin E. Well, you know, I'm not advocating high dose vitamin E, but vitamin E is not Dangerous when you're taking a blood thinner taking moderate doses Uh, so uh, But you wrote a very interesting article and Mm -hmm. why don't you explain what it has to say? (coughs)
1: Well, uh, and it's about a particular cardiologist, Dr. Uh, John Mandrola, who talks about. It but can't he's,
0: his moniker is the skeptical cardiologist. The
1: skeptical cardiologist, and yeah. he's
0: not even holistic, really. No. He's just kind of pushes. Which back... Which is
1: surprising, and uh, pleasantly surprising.
0: He pushes back, he on, pushes dogma, back. on dogma. On right, dogma, right, right.
1: About not always about the prescription pad for blood thinner thinner or ablation that we need to ask the questions of how they're moving, what they're eating, are they overweight, are they obese, what other metabolic abnormalities are going on, that, that discussion has to ensue so that there could be a plan to deprescribe. How often does any doctor talk about deprescribing any medication? So that was kind of thrilling. Indeed. To see that. And so... And the fact that our unhealthy lifestyle is impacting the atria of the heart. Right the upper chambers of the heart. Right, because the heart is not... And like, that's what we're seeing reflected back, hmm. and it's presenting as AFib.
0: So the heart is not protected from all the, the inflammation and the metabolic problems yeah. that afflict the brain, the kidneys, all the the bones, all the organs of the right. body, so that under conditions that are not optimal, the electrical system of the heart could be damaged or undermined. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I it turns out, Maybe we're like doing ESP or something. I was about to write an article on this too, but I said, Hey, you wrote a very nice article, so, you know, I may write another article eventually. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you uh, beat me to the punch. <laughs> but there actually are studies, and as you know, and I think yeah. you referenced this, uh, a recent study showed that individuals who are most adherent to a Mediterranean style diet with a special call-out for nuts, vegetables, and fruit, Mm. had a one-third lower risk of atrial fibrillation compared to those who ate less healthfully. Yeah. So diet could make a difference. And they also singled out extra virgin olive oil Mm. as a prominent feature of that Mediterranean diet that uh, is linked to lower rates of atrial fibrillation.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, then, of course, there's alcohol.
1: Right. right? Alcohol is a big one.
0: Yeah, uh, apparently.
1: Uh, which, anything that's which gonna,
0: protects a little bit against uh, vascular disease. Yeah,
1: but in a dose. Yeah, right. <laughs> not happy hour. Right, right. <laughs> not happy hour doses. Yeah, right. We're talking about a three and a half ounce of red wine, maybe three times a week. Right, is a medicinal dose maybe right. for the heart. Right, but not the amount that's being you know. Yeah, I mean, for some people, basis, even, really. even a single
0: drink can trigger, they're on the cusp, it sure. can trigger an arrhythmia. Yeah. So uh, they actually found that there was up to 40% increased risk for two or more drinks per day, according to the research. Yeah. That 40% is a remarkable it jump. It really is. Yep.
1: And Mediterranean diet focusing on the elimination of the processed food and junk food that people are eating. This is, the, this is, has, the these are part of the impacts. On the atria, it's unhealthy eating, unhealthy living, not moving around. Which leads
0: to overweight and obesity, which is clearly associated with a risk of new-onset atrial fib, according to studies. Yeah. They found that... uh, Well, part of it is that when you have extra weight, your heart has to pump harder to get to all that tissue.
1: Yeah.
0: And it puts a burden on the heart, and that may uh, increase the risk of uh, atrial fibrillation. Mm -hmm. It enlarges the atrium. When the atrium stretches that stretching may undermine the electrical conductivity of the uh yeah the these pathways that send signals to cause the heart to beat. Mm-hmm. So uh you know there's there's that uh there was also uh so I, this this is actually the statistic um people who had um uh, an average BMI of 33 and an average weight of 220 pounds.
1: That's obesity range 33, a BMI of 33. They
0: found that weight loss of 10% or greater mm-hmm. was associated with a sixfold increased probability of living arrhythmia-free. In other words, wow, sixfold protection from arrhythmia compared to those with minimal weight loss. So the goal is 10% or more weight loss. Yeah. That's a lot of weight loss, but you know, if you start at a BMI of 33... And weight of two hundred and twenty, uh, you better you better uh, protect yourself right, from it. Right,
1: right. Drop twenty two to twenty five pounds; it's terrific.
0: Smokers, okay, problem. Need blood pressure control. You need blood sugar control. Mm-hmm. Blood sugar, you know, has an uh, adverse effect on all the tissue. True. There's some real good studies showing that for each increment in your hemoglobin A one C, there's an increased risk of dementia. That's yeah. the brain tissue. But the heart is also susceptible Mm -hmm. to the effects of sugar. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's moderate physical activity, but there's some interesting stuff on that because very high-end athletes who have enlarged hearts. Yes. Ultramarathoners. And I hope I don't...
1: The heart is a muscle too, and it gets bigger.
0: Yeah. And when it gets too big, there's a stretch on those conduction pathways, the electrical pathways. And I, there is, unfortunately, a higher risk of atrial fibrillation among athletes. We've seen that in some of our real high-end athletes. Yeah. Like, you know, guys who would ride, uh, one guy that he used to ride 50, 60 miles, uh, you know, to work, you know. Yeah. Uh, 30 miles there and 30 miles back yeah. every day. And he would, like, routinely do, you know, hundreds of miles in races. And now he's got atrial fibrillation. Mm. Um, yoga can be helpful. Absolutely. You know, while we're throwing that in. Yeah. Um, so, actually, one study: twice weekly practice of yoga, which you do mm-hmm. uh, for one hour per session, reduced the episodes of paroxysmal atrial fibrillation by nearly fifty percent. Wow! So, wow! It's
1: all that breathing, you yeah. know, paying attention to the breath and normalizing your heart rhythm, your heartbeat, it, all of it that. It seems kind of to stuff.
0: regulate the autonomic nervous system. Yes, that's it does. what yoga does. Yoga very does well. that. Yeah. yeah. So that it kind of balances the parasympathetic with the sympathetic, Yeah. Uh, and there's almost nothing that does that. You know, True. no drug, no vitamin. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, so there you have it. There's a lot of ways that lifestyle has an impact. So, um, you know, I stand corrected that there's. You know what I thought? Well, there's not that much you can do about it.
1: Here's your script for eliquis or pradaxa, or
0: in my case here, take your magnesium uh, torate. Mm-hmm. I mean, fine. But there's a sure. lot more you can do with lifestyle, and you know, even if you have it, you may get a reprieve from it by uh, making these changes. Yes. Uh, before you permanently need to be on medication, anticoagulation, which has to go with any kind of medication to control your rhythm. And or being yeah. a candidate for ablation, yeah, which, which work which works or sometimes doesn't work, and there are cases where it actually has an adverse uh, yeah. effect.
1: Doctor Mandrol is not not wowed by the results of ablation, and is not. I, it would have to be like a last resort. Yeah, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I happen to know uh, that he's a friend. Who underwent ablation for atrial fibrillation, Mm -hmm. and now he has uh, a permanent lung problem because the how does that happen? Well, there's something called the sinoatrial node, Uh which is very close to the pulmonary artery, and if they damage the pulmonary artery, you can develop pulmonary hypertension, which is causes breathlessness. Yeah, and is not good. Yeah, so so and I also think. I think there was actually litigation around this. There was, was like oh a lawsuit goodness. around it because, you know, they they do say that that is one of the risks. You know, you sign a, a uh, you Before know, any a surgery, release, you sign a lot of paper and it's like You know, you can die, you can this, you can that, you know, and then you just, you know, because there's always for any intervention, there's a potential downside. But, you know, look, it's miraculous for some people and can give them a new lease on life, but the uh, problem with atrial fibrillation is that, you know, you can do fine, and a lot of people do fine, but it you do lose a little bit of power of your heart. I think about 20% of your cardiac output comes from the atrium. Most of it comes from the ventricle, Yeah. but when the atrium is not really uh, pumping efficiently, you're going to lose a little bit of cardiac output, so you gotta, it will slow you down a bit, okay. create more breathlessness, you know, inability yeah. to uh, perhaps... Uh, go up an incline or climb stairs and Mm -hmm. so on you know it's it is a little bit limiting but hey a lot of people you know you know there are tens of millions of people walking around with atrial fibrillation who can lead relatively normal lives true yeah
1: and many of those may be able to reverse it given this information
0: yes i mean we should encourage people that there is a potential natural pathway even right. for this condition
1: and that they can be deep prescribed yes that that is so much hope Yep. you know uh, I saw a quote I forget where uh, the the the, the uh, 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 an objective of a good doctor is not to give you more medication it's to take you off of medication okay Right. Well, which is kind of kind of what, what we, do we do around here. Yeah, yeah. We often do. I mean, yeah. not willy nilly
0: because it's, no. it would be, no. but one of the nice things about going to med school and having a medical understanding is, uh, I don't just say, you get off all that stuff. It's poison. Yeah, you know, I don't understand like what is the rationale for these things yeah. and where sometimes the rationale falls short and where sometimes natural interventions can, uh, perhaps obviate the need for dependency on medication. Sure. yeah. Sure,
1: sure, sure. So, right. I mean, there are places where there are times where medical management is absolutely appropriate. If a patient comes in and says to me, I was depressed, I tried everything, I did everything you, tra- I did all the magnesium, I did everything, 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 everything. Uh, and then I was given this antidepressant and it changed my world. It changed the color of my life. I've never felt so good. I'm not going to mess with that. I'm not going to say you shouldn't take your antidepressant. I'm going to... I'm for what works. Right. As long as it's not harming the patient, I'm happy. But have, I'm happy at the outcome.
0: But have they tried psilocybin or ayahuasca? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new race. Or
1: saffron. I've,
0: or- <laughs> I've, I've, I've got another interview coming up uh, okay. on that subject. Of It's actually a new frontier it is. is the use of psychedelics, but scientific applications. Let, you know, Timothy Leary, you know... Yeah. Uh, take a trip, you know, uh, tune in, what is it, tune in, turn on, drop out. (laughs) It's like the anthem of my college years. Wow. Um, Okay, so anyway, back to questions, the original intent of this Q&A with Layla. Questions come to us, questions at drhoffman.net. Let's hear what we have this week.
1: We've got an email from Gabe. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, what do you think of the supplement nicotinamide mononucleotide as touted by several people on social media. Mm-hmm. And you know, everything on the internet is true. Yes. Said Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true for social media, too.
0: Right, right. <laughs> so uh, there's, so the, it kind of goes back to this theory that this thing called yeah. NAD, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, is an energy compound for mm-hmm. the body and it has to do with cellular energy and senescence and as you age your levels decline. Yeah. So obviously we want to support that. Uh, there are a couple of ways to support that. Mm-hmm. Uh with supplements one is with something called uh NR nicotinamide riboside which is my preferred form of it and then there's yes. NMN. Now NMN and there's kind of like wars between which wh- is
1: nicotinamide mononucleotide which is what is being what Dave right. is asking NMN. about. Nmn
0: and there's kind of like Twitter wars between the NR people and the Nmn people. Right, and it's actually not been conclusively demonstrated which is superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are studies pro and con, and there are some people who doubt the efficacy of these things completely. They just think this yeah. there's it's implausible. It doesn't work. It's not bioavailable. It doesn't get into the cell or whatever. You know. Uh, however, I'm pretty convinced that there's uh, a lot of evidence that. Uh, NR and perhaps also NMN work to boost levels of energy in the mitochondria and may have an anti-aging effect. Now, the big guy who's behind NMN is Dr. David Sinclair, who is the resveratrol guy. But he Uh is kind of a controversial guy because his resveratrol research kind of hit an impasse. Mm -hmm. And GlaxoSmithKline built him a lab for $700 million and was, you know, trying to develop a new, remarkable, panacea-like drug from resveratrol, and they couldn't synthesize it. They couldn't improve on Mother Nature. So that crashed and burned. But he still has a great reputation in anti-aging, and he's an intelligent guy. And he has staked his claim to NMN. But he got a commercial imperative, because he's actually involved in the promotion, development, and sale of NMN. Yeah. And recently... Uh, with his acquiescence, uh, they have now attempted to crack down on over-the-counter sales of NMN mm-hmm. because pretty soon they may bring online a patented form of NMN, yes. which will be a drug. Mm-hmm. So you can't have something that is a drug that's real costly when you can just go to the health food store or go online and buy a natural form of this. Right. Uh, this, I think, is kind of dirty pool. Because uh-huh. it's, it's anti-competitive. But there's some people who just doubt whether NMN does the mm-hmm. trick altogether. But the fact that it's underwritten as a big development project with multi-million dollars of venture capital means that there's something probably there. Yeah. That NMN has some efficacy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, if given a choice, I would take NR. I do take NR.
1: Yeah.
0: but. I, I've gotten some free samples of NMN and you know when I run out of NR before I you know before my next shipment arrives, I might be happy to just take the NMN. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced it's it's
1: it's worthless right, right?
0: I'm just not convinced it's superior.
1: I see okay. Okay. Gabe, there's your answer. Thank you for that. Very and by the, way, and the product
0: that I use is, just give it a plug, it's called True niogen. Yes. I would get the 500 milligram, and in studies, it takes 1,000 milligrams uh, daily
1: mm-hmm.
0: to achieve uh, a significant increase in your blood levels. Then the question is, do blood levels translate to intracellular levels or intramitochondrial levels mm-hmm. where it needs to do its work? That's, I think, the controversy.
1: Okay. All right. We have a question here from Keith. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, I've read online that K-cups for Keurig coffee makers are BPA-free. However, I'm concerned about my exposure to the heated plastics in regards to phthalates. Right. I've been drinking more green tea at work from the Keurig machine, but now I'm worried I may be doing more harm. What are your thoughts on the K-cups in the Keurig coffee makers? There is phthalate exposure. And there may not be BPA exposure because it's a marketing thing now to say BPA-free, but they're replacing the A with something else. It could be an S or an H, and I forget what it stands BPS, for. Yeah. BPS, which is not much better.
0: You're, you have concerns about anything that has a heating element where it comes into contact with plastic. Yes. And you, you may get additional possibility of microparticles, right. uh, which are deleterious, and I've also heard some issues with cleaning those machines. I'm not familiar with these machines. Maybe somebody can correct me, but can you get really at the inner workings of those machines and clean them out? Because if they um, have contact with water a lot, they can develop... Uh, like limescale kind n- of stuff? Not just limescale, but uh, they can develop um, like... Um, um, what was it? These uh, slimy uh, layers—what's it called? Um,
1: uh, biofilms. Biofilms. Yeah, oh, sure. I'm that they need to I, be cleaned. The word
0: escape me. Right. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah, biofilms. That would be uh, true for water. No, because I too. notice I have uh, an ice maker which has a receptacle that I can take out and clean, which is nice because yeah. uh, you can. You to be able to do that? And so uh, I, you know, I, I just looked at it the other day, and I just said let me instead of just refilling it refilling it i'm just going to like take a look at it and when i really looked at it closely and ran my finger there was like it, all it was was standing water in a refrigerator and there was a slimy biofilm yes. in there and do i want that i mean i don't know
1: right right and i i wouldn't use the k-cups because it's plastic yeah but we, we want to be able to uh, we want to be able to distance ourselves from plastic as much as possible very hard to do in today's world mm-hmm. Remember the days where even an IV came out of a bottle in the 1950s in the glass hospital bottle, Yeah, it was a glass bottle. Yeah, now, everything plastic, is plastic PVC. Yeah, yeah
0: polyvinyl chloride, yeah. right? Um, right. So, so yeah, and and those are I mean to make things soft and flexible they do use phthalates So mm-hmm. that's not great. True. Um You know, the most ridiculous product I've seen is there's a, you can buy this liner. It's a crock pot liner. You ever clean a crock pot? You probably use a crock pot a lot. It takes a while. It's like, it's like, you know, the stuff really gets stuck and you, but I, I use it as my karma yoga. You know, I'm standing there and I, you know, I'm doing like this work and it's a little exercise and, you know, it's a good way to kind of wake up and start your brain working, you know, Mm -hmm. is to get and clean last night's dishes. Uh, if you didn't put them away, which sometimes is the case, you know, so, but there's this product that is a plastic liner that you can put in your Crock-Pot mm. so that when you pour out the, your Crock-Pot cooking, you just take this plastic liner and toss it.
1: It's kind of like using the... But it's
0: like a heated a heated element with yeah, plastic. Yeah. I don't care whether it's BPA-free. I not well, yeah. It's just make it, I, I, it
1: It's like using parchment paper on your cookie sheet to so you don't that's get That's not as bad though. It's not as bad. Parchment is just fine. Yeah, you don't want to use anything plastic. Right? And anything even those roasting bags for turkeys to get so it self Yeah, in these plastic bags and things not a great idea. Yeah. Great I don't idea. think it's a great idea. It is absolutely some degree of phthalate exposure. You know, where's,
0: I mean, I'm looking at these reports on what these things can do. And they are mm-hmm. endocrine disruptors. They affect the thyroid. They affect sex hormones. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the They're gender benders. Gender yeah. benders.
1: Yeah. We're
0: seeing a high rate of infertility. Uh, yeah. We're seeing all kinds of reproductive uh, problems and reproductive cancers. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what the heck is going on?
1: Yeah.
0: You what's know, talking a little bit about that? Mm. RFK Jr., yeah, he's talking. About, he's talking about a lot about environmental pollution, and he's yes. tying it to disease. And nobody on the political scene is enunciating that view. So you may not agree with some of the things that he says, and I mm-hmm. think he's a little over the top with his uh, his uh, vaccine uh, refusal. You know mm-hmm. that there's. I mean, I think with every vaccine, there's a risk benefit, and some are worse than others. The COVID being the worst. Yes, and. The, uh, but, and I agree with him on the COVID vaccine. I'm pretty much in line with him, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'm like totally down the line with his, uh, indictment of, of vaccination. But I gotta say, he is really a stalwart on environmental chemicals. Oh, yeah. And he is. He's been dealing with water. Yeah. For,
1: forever. Clean
0: water. He's not going to win, but at least it intru- introduces it into the public dialogue. Mm. And I think that's great.
1: I think it's wonderful. No,
0: because yeah. everything... All these other politicians are saying, like, the platitudes, you know. Oh, and, yeah.
1: They're not and, saying much and of they're, And
0: They're not making, like, a really uh, insightful argument about mm-hmm. the direction our, our society should take. Exactly. You know? And I think... His we, is a very good critique, we, right? Right. Which I wrote about in my newsletter. Already.
1: Yes, you did.
0: Instead right. of atrial fibrillation. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wrote about the different candidates and uh-huh. you know and what some of the candidates have to say, and not the major candidates because mm-hmm. the major candidates they're
1: not talking about health they're not, care.
0: Do you, they're not talking about health care. No. Yeah. So you know we just there's not really a forum for no. discussion about things that are meaningful to us.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the the state of healthcare in America works very well for big pharma. Yep. People stay sick or unwell. And the food industry. And the food industry. And the chemical industry. Yes, and big agriculture, all yeah, of that. Yeah. You know, our farming methods, all of this needs to industrial farming, all of it,
0: absolutely everything. What would we to do change. without our sickness industry? I mean, there's oh, whole yeah. And the entire economy is based in some cities on right. like <laughs> what's left. hospitals and doctors and medical care my
1: favorite ad is from i think it's memorial sloan kettering imagine a world without cancer and my response to that is that would really suck for your business model (laughs) yeah right (laughs) that would really suck for your business model. so yeah here we are
0: i mean what they envision is that through their interventions, their very expensive, high-tech interventions, mm-hmm. that everyone who comes down with cancer that's caused by environmental problems, poor diet, you know, and, uh, you know, other... Exposure, yeah, toxic, exposure toxic exposure, all that stuff. That they will fix that. Mm-hmm. At great expense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And anyway. who pays in the end? We do, for ever-increasing...
0: Okay, believe recurrence. it or not, we need freedoms. to flip yeah. over to side two.
1: Already? Yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: Okay. You know, it's like, Side one, I want to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. Side two, I want to be your man. And <laughs> on, flip the 45, folks, and go <laughs> to part two of today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. What, give us a preview of what questions we're going to handle.
1: In terms of laboratory testing for cardiovascular risk, how do APOB and lipoprotein little a testing compare to each other?
0: Oh, I'm going to love answering that. Yeah. One. Great question. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, fielding that. Today is our Q&A with Layla. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.